You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. We're going to drink a fine whiskey and smoke a really fine cigar. I said, hey, ladies, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. I said, hey, ladies, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. You're welcome to drink our whiskey and smoke our really fine cigars. One more time, boys. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. We're gonna smoke a really good cigar and drink a really fine whiskey. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris, welcome to the happy hour. Hey. It's hey. the Man Thank Cave you. Happy Hour. <laughs> It's uh, whiskey, cigars, spirits, and the stories that go along with it. And Chris, from what we understand, you got some stories uh, about the Jack Daniel Distillery that uh, you can really share because you're really invested in it uh, from a family standpoint. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about you being the as the uh, assistant master distiller right now. What are what are your roots, and and how are you connected to the, the distillery? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I grew up here in Lynchburg, and um, my grandfather was the master distiller here for many years. He started working here in 1957. Wow. Uh, back when you know Jack Daniels was just a, a small regional whiskey brand, really, and uh, became master distiller in 1966 and retired in that role in 1989. So, wow. uh, when I was a kid, you know, he was he was still in charge of all the whiskey production, and then. Uh, so I was around the distillery, you know, with him sometimes on, a lot of times on Sunday, he'd have to go in and I guess that was kind of a slow, a slow work day. So that was the, that was the afternoon that I could go in and kind of tag along. And, and of course, you know, I didn't know anything about whiskey, you know, as a boy, um, it was just a time for me to be with Papa and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, poke around, push a button here or there, I guess, you know. I love it. I love it. So how did you work your way into uh, becoming an employee and uh, then actually moving up to uh, an assistant master distiller? Well, um, I started, I guess, first of all, just to lay a little background, you know, Lynchburg's a really small place. There's only about (laughs) 600 people that live in our town. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, it's really small. And so then (laughs) uh, countywide, there's only about 6,000. So um, we're the we're the second smallest county in the state of Tennessee, and I tell you that just you know as as you get to be a teenager and you're looking to go away to college, you, you don't really anticipate moving back to Lynchburg when you're 18 years old. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I was certainly in that in that thought. I never really thought of working for the distiller, you know, even though my grandfather was a distiller. And um, I went away, however, and was studying chemistry. Mm-hmm. And about halfway through, uh, after my second year, I came home, and I needed a job for the summer, and right. my roommate from school wanted to take the tour <laughs> and visit the distillery. Of course, he was interested in Jack Daniels and whiskey making, and I said, well, sure, we'll go take the tour. You know, it's right down the street. So um, we went, and in just kind of a light bulb moment, and I thought, wow, you know, what a great summer job. A tour guide just gets paid to talk. 
And, <laughs> and so that's how I started. And, and one thing led for the other, you know, uh, chemistry and whiskey, there's certainly some overlap. Um, sure. there's, there's quite a bit of science involved. And one thing after the other, and honestly, a couple years later, I graduated mm-hmm. and I was just really lucky because the company was hiring a chemist in the research and development department. Wow. And that department actually sits in Louisville, Kentucky, because um, oh. we're part of the Brown Foreman Corporation based in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, so I interviewed for the job and, and luckily I got it and kind of, you know, did some various jobs in R&D and worked my way through um, other distilling jobs and now, for the last five years or so, I've been back home at, at Jack Daniels. That's been, what year did you start um, as a tour guide or doing the tours there at the, at the distillery? Let's see. I'm going to test your knowledge here. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It was uh, in May of 2001, I believe. Was when you're I gave you're a young guy. Year. What were you, like 15 or something? <laughs> I was 19. 19, 19 okay. Because okay. <laughs> you're, you're a young yeah, cat. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny, you know. Every every employee gets a free bottle of Jack Daniels Old Number Seven every month with their paycheck. Oh, uh, wow. Unless you, unless you're a 19 year old tour guide, you do not. Get that. Oh. <laughs> I, not I had I had to force wait until I was 21. Oh, that's great. Well, at least they're paying attention. That's good. That's, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's an interesting fact. It is. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking yeah, we at call uh, that Good Friday. Everybody comes to work on Good Friday. <laughs> That's it. I teach. Uh, I teach high school, so my summers are open. I'm thinking. Uh, I think I might apply for a summer gig. <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> so, Chris, um, I, I we opened it up. I I, I belong to a few uh, Facebook groups, you know, bourbon fans on Facebook, and I, I said, "Hey, I'm going to be talking to Chris Fletcher later on. Anybody have a question? I should ask him." And they told me to ask about a guy named Nathan Nearest Green. Uh, do you know anything about Nathan Nearest Green? Oh, absolutely. Great question. Yes. Um, so that, that takes us back to the very roots of our distillery and Jack Daniel himself. And uh, Jack was a, was a real person. He was actually, oh. he was born mm-hmm. here in Lynchburg and um, he's not some uh, figurehead or some uh, mythical marketing mm-hmm. um, creature. He was a real <laughs> uh, whiskey maker and, and made and sold and marketed his own whiskey. And Nathan Nearest Green um, was really the man who was very much the mentor of Jack Daniel as oh. he was learning the art oh. of whiskey making and is actually who we consider our first, ma- what we would say today is a master distiller, mm-hmm. um, uh, the person that Jack Daniel entrusted in running his distillery operations um, once he got his business up and running. Um, so Nathan Nearest Green, actually <coughs> when Jack was a young boy, he was basically orphaned. His mother passed away mm-hmm. um, when he was very, very young. And his dad passed away a few years later. So he ended up, he was taken in um, by another family in Lynchburg, the Call family. And the Calls had a distillery on their farm. And Mr. Dan Call was also a, also a minister in the town. And so on the farm, Nathan Nearest Green was the whiskey maker. Now, at this time, at this point in history, um, Nathan Green was an enslaved man. Um, but young Jack probably around the age of seven or eight. We don't know for sure because we don't have a birth record. Dan Call introduced Jack Mm. to Nearest Green and said, you know, Nearest is the best whiskey maker that I know of. Mm. Um, He's in charge of making all the whiskey here on the Call Farm. And so if we fast forward a few years, 
two things happen. Um, number one, the whiskey business is really good. It's growing. And so does that church. And eventually that church goes to Mr. Call and says, you know what? You're going to have to pick a spirit, right? You, we don't think it's it's right for you to make whiskey six days a week and yep. then on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. You're leading the church. So um, at that point in time with that ultimatum, he sold the still to young Jack Daniel, who at this time is a, is a teenager. He had saved up some money. Wow. And the first thing that Jack did was hire nearest green to make his whiskey for him Um, and of course by this time you know mr green was a free man um and he became what we consider the first master distiller for the jack daniel distillery and so his knowledge and skill has been passed down uh to the master distillers throughout so you you have a college degree in chemistry uh and you're an assistant master distiller so where where have you gained your knowledge of master distillery uh is it is it through the books or or is it has it been handed down from your grandfather and the current master distiller uh you know i've been very fortunate um to work with a lot of great distillers and people in our industry and um Honestly, you know, two, two of the most influential are my grandfather, Frank Bobo, my mom's dad, obviously. I mean, he being a master distiller for as many years, you know, being in, in, involved with production here at Jack Daniels for, for over 30 years. Um, hmm. And he's still a resource to me. He's 89 years old, and it's amazing what he can remember um, from whiskey production. And to have that, that historical knowledge is, is really empowering. Um, for, for what we do at the distillery now and, and as we look towards the future to have that. And then, of course, Jeff Arnett, who I work for now, um, who's just been a, a fantastic resource for me. I've known Jeff for many, many years, um, back to my days as a chemist with the company. And, and Jeff was working in quality control down here in Lynchburg. And, mm. um, and he's just he's great to work for now. So uh, I would say, you know, the great thing about whiskey making is there's this really, really great blend of science and kind of art or romance or folklore or, you know, however you want to call it. <laughs> and that's what makes, I think, the industry so special. And then, of course, you know, at Jack Daniels, number one with the quality of whiskey we make. And then, of course, with our history, um, it's so rich. Um, you know, it's such a great company to work for and a great brand to work for. So the 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 link it's called the uh, Lincoln County process, right? Is that kind of what you guys have uh, coined it? Uh, the process in which Jack Daniels comes to be? Yeah, yeah. You see that yeah, that's referring to the charcoal mellowing process, right? And that which, is is that um, unique to you we, guys? We did not invent that. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Was there is is that is that unique to you guys? No, it's not. So so what's referred to as the Lincoln County process? Now that term was kind of coined really really more as a marketing term um, back in the day, I think, to as a point of uh, differentiation uh, between our, our friends in Kentucky that make a lot of bourbon whiskeys, which, of course, are made all over the United States now, not only in Kentucky. Right. You can make bourbon in all 50 states, um, but probably somebody in all 50 states, you know, is trying to make bourbon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tennessee whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, number one, must qualify as bourbon, right? So we must meet that first. And then with the additional requirements of we have to do it 
only in the state of Tennessee. You can't do it anywhere in the country. Hmm. And then secondly, it must be filtered or, as we say, mellowed through some form of maple charcoal. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, technically, you could take one little tiny briquette, right, and put it in a tank of a 1,000 gallons, and and that would work. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we don't do that, um, but it is up to the distiller to decide how they want to mellow their Tennessee whiskey. Um, We have a very traditional process in place, quite simply because that's the way my grandfather did it. That's the way that the Motlow family taught him, who was Jack Daniels' family, and mm-hmm. Nearest Green taught Jack Daniel. And so um, we actually take 10 feet of charcoal that we make from scratch on site at the distillery. We pack it really, really tight. So the flow rate is about one gallon a minute. So it's really wow. slowly dripping through. The process takes between two and three days. My goodness. Um, and this is all happening right after distillation, but prior to barrel aging. So the whiskey's clear. Mm-hmm. The whiskey goes into the charcoal clear and it comes out of the charcoal clear. The charcoal does not add anything. It's actually like a filter. <laughs> so if you've got like a water filter at home, a lot of them actually contain charcoal. Right. And you know, if you have that, if you if you run your water through that charcoal filter, you know that the charcoal doesn't add flavor to your water. It right. removes things that you don't want in that water. And so it's kind of the same sort of process for us. All right. So that brings us to the water. Right. Is, that was going to be my question. Tell us a little bit about the water that you guys are utilizing through this process uh, when you're distilling right. uh, the Jack Daniels. Or Jack Daniels right. Well, we, we're very fortunate when it comes to water because Jack actually found our current distillery site um, in the in the late 1860s, early 1870s. Um, there, there was this cave spring. Well, it still is there, obviously. Um, but we have a cave that sits right at the, at the head of the distillery and underground is about two miles deep of a reservoir of water that, that basically bubbles up from underground springs and floods this cave. Um, so the mouth of the cave is right there at the distillery and, uh, we, we source the water from underground. So it's never exposed to air or anything. We actually have pipes that, that go in under the ground that we will pump the water out. And that water is only used to make our whiskey. Um, so that's, you know, obviously we have a lot of limestone here in Tennessee, right. um, very calcium mineral rich water. Um, uh, but it is iron free. It doesn't contain any iron. That's, that's something that as a, as a distiller, you wouldn't want in the water that will react with alcohol and make it very bitter and black. Um, so it, it really, truly is about the perfect water to make whiskey. <laughs> Sounds like that, it. <laughs> yeah. It's because like, we're here in the, we're here in the Metro Detroit area and, uh, out of the podcast Detroit studios and, uh, the Great Lakes here in Michigan. And there are so many people after our water in Michigan. There's these large companies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you'd probably associate the name with the chocolate people. We won't go any further than that, <laughs> but they are taking <laughs> gallons upon gallons upon gallons upon gallons of water out mm-hmm. of our state and out of our lakes. Uh, so what are you, what's, uh, Jack Daniels doing, uh, to protect your water? That's a very good question. So we, we actually own, um, several hundred acres around this cave spring, all the property behind it. And so there's no, there's no other industrial manufacturing. There's not even any real farms up around it um, because obviously rainwater could affect right when it gets into that cave. Um, And so we go to that, to that length. Um, And then we do have the cave inspected from time to time. We've had people go all the way in 
map out everything, um, looking at the integrity of the cave, making sure that it's healthy, and it always has been. Um, and the flow of water out of that cave, um, when we have good good rainfall, which here lately we've had plenty of good uh, rainfall, <laughs> but it makes such an excess of water oh, for us. Um, we don't even come close to the capacity of what that of what that Cape Spring is producing. Now, even even so, obviously, this is such a critical natural resource for us. We tank this water. We can actually, we've installed enough tank capacity to hold over 10 million gallons of just this Cape Spring water. Um, just in case we have a year of drought or something like that, we know that we're going to be able to, to go into those tanks and source the water that we need. Right. That's uh, that's amazing because yeah, depending on what chart you look at or, or what report, uh, Jack Daniels is is the number one selling whiskey in the U.S. and, and the world. You know, but if not, you're in the top three in pretty much any report you're gonna find. Mm-hmm. What is the volume that you're putting out a year? Thanks. Uh, you know, as far as the total case count. Um, we're probably at about that 12 million case mark somewhere <laughs> okay. along in there. <laughs> yes, sir, um, but I have another. <laughs> holy smokes, that's a lot of Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you know, as a distiller, uh, just all that, that's a ballpark figure. Sure. As a distiller, once it comes out of the barrel, you know, I'm, I'm done with it, right? So, right. so. Um, trust me, our bottling people don't want me down there in, in their way. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way I like to keep it too. Well, let's talk about the the barrels, right? Because that's a besides the filtering and the water, uh, you got to age it in barrels. So, how long is uh, just your old number seven, the regular Jack Daniels, the Tennessee whiskey that everybody's familiar with? Mm-hmm. How long is that aged, and uh, what's what is the barreling process for that? Sure. Um, so, so after the charcoal, um, you know, the whiskey is is clear as water still. There's nothing. There's no color to it. There is some flavor to it as well. Um, you know, a lot of new make, you know, bourbon type, Tennessee whiskey type recipes have a lot of a corn flavor uh, to it because you have to be mostly corn to follow those bourbon and Tennessee whiskey laws that we have. Um, however, the charcoal absorbs a little bit of that corn flavor. Okay. Um, that's kind of the magic, so to speak, of what charcoal does for us. Um, and so the whiskey goes into that barrel really able to, I think, take on the, the unique character of our barrels. Um, and, of course, the, the great thing about what we're able to do here in Lynchburg at Jack Daniels is control every piece of the process with our own hands. So, you know, we don't we don't outsource anything. We want to try to control as much as possible. And that includes our barrel. Mm-hmm. And so we actually not only do we make our own barrels with our own employees every day are making brand new charred oak barrels for Jack Daniels. We actually have our own stave mills oh. where we're actually buying the logs oh, wow. of oak that is coming in there and we have our own employees cutting down those logs into the staves, you know, so all the way back to the logger, we're controlling that barrel. And so it's such an important part of the process because a hundred percent of our color is naturally extracted out of that oak barrel and then over half the flavor. And so the barrel is the number one ingredient. Um, and so it is, you know, such the advantage to be able to control that number one ingredient, you know, basically from the, the forest, all the way to the glass. So where are and those so, logs? Um, where are those logs coming from? The the logs, basically, most if you consider Missouri all mm. the way into Tennessee, mm-hmm. even northern Alabama, and then up across you know Kentucky mm-hmm. to Ohio as well. Wow. Um, so so almost you would say kind of that that. Um, 
not really southeast or midwest, but basically the corridor from the Ozarks to the Appalachians. Uh, we can we can source wood from any of those areas, and our stave mills are scattered ab- about. Um, we have one in Alabama, I have one in Tennessee, okay. um, got one up in Ohio and Kentucky. So they're strategically located um, to be near where the logs are coming from. And, and then, of course, those stave mills will supply the wood, the staves, into our cooperages. And we have two cooperages, one in Louisville, Kentucky, and then one just down the street from Lynchburg in, in the northern tip of Alabama, where we're making our barrels for Jack Daniels. Mm. You know, I actually take you, Tim, I'm going to take you back, Chris, to your R&D days. So one of the popular things that I'm seeing right now uh, out here in the Detroit market is the honey whiskey, the honey Jack Daniels that's Mm -hmm. out there. For an R&D standpoint, what is the time it takes from when you create something to when it actually hits the market? Yeah, that you know, that's a great question. It really depends on what type of product that you want to do. So so the honey-flavored whiskey that we make, that that's taking the old number seven classic Tennessee whiskey as a base mm-hmm. and then adding the honey to that. So that type of a product, um, you know, as a distiller, I'm not directly in, involved with that development. Sure. But it's fairly quick, let's say, as compared to if we wanted to make, let's, uh, for example, our new rye whiskey. So we now have a straight rye whiskey that's been on the market about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that obviously takes years because of the aging process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the aging process at Jack Daniels typically is between four years on a minimum up to about seven or eight years at a maximum. Wow. Um, you know, that's, that's a rule of thumb depending on Mother Nature and how warm our summers get. You know, right. we, don't, we don't artificially heat any houses or anything. So um, <laughs> we're not held to one number or one age, but it will typically bounce between four and seven years. Um, now, a product like the Honey. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably about our fastest growing product out there. It's been wildly successful with that. You know, that's, that is technically a, like a flavored whiskey or it's, it's actually considered a distilled spirit specialty okay. um, because okay. we're adding those honey flavors to the whiskey on the back end, blending that and then bottling it. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, because there's mm-hmm. uh, there's been several. Um, and, and again, Matt and I, the reason we do the Man Cave Happy Hour is we 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 in, we've enjoyed whiskey. Uh, we like a good cigar here and there. Right. And but we don't know, we're not like super deep knowledgeable people. So what what we do is we like to talk to people like you, Chris, that that know what they're talking <laughs> about, so we can learn. Yeah. Um. And so from our very novice uh observations it seems like you know in the last probably you know six years uh there's been a bit of an explosion in the, the whiskey and bourbon industry mm-hmm. um and jack, a resurgence going on yeah and, and jack has really got some stuff going on uh because he got the barrel proof and the single barrel and the heritage reserve and the sinatra select and the old 27 <laughs> um are these new ventures within the last handful of years or is this something jack's been doing and we just haven't noticed well, I think maybe a little, a little of both. Okay. Um, you know, I think number one, you're absolutely right. There is this resurgence of American whiskeys, and people globally are recognizing American whiskeys for the quality and the purity that goes into them. Mm. Um, so, if you look, for instance, you know, Jack Daniels, you know, is a Tennessee whiskey, and you look at the regulations that go to, to Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> number one, you must qualify entirely to the Bourbon Code. Um, with the addition geographic restriction and the additional process of charcoal mellowing. Um, so you look at that requirement to call yourself a Tennessee whiskey, you know, and that, that's one of the most stringent spirits requirements anywhere in the world that you'll find. Um, 
And so people are, are starting to understand this about not only Tennessee whiskeys, but bourbon whiskeys and American rye whiskeys and and the quality that goes behind them. And so that has driven innovation, um, honestly, to a height that, you know, I don't know that we've ever truly seen it at this level. You know, even if you go back to the, the bourbon glory years, you know, the 50s, the classic cocktails, the 60s. Um, you know, when, when bourbon was, was really um, doing well, mm-hmm. I don't know. Of course, I wasn't alive then, but I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if you saw the industry. But I've seen reruns of Mad Men. I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, my point is you're very much yeah. correct. Um, we are innovating at a rate now that, that we've really never done. Now, you also have to step, take a step back and think about Jack Daniels, too. Um, so in my grandfather's career, for instance, the old number seven standard black label um, was pretty much the only whiskey that they, they produced. And it was actually on an allocation system almost his entire career. Hmm. Um, so if you, if you think about that, old number seven traditional Jack Daniels was on an allocation system until about 1980. Um, what does that uh, mean, an allocation maybe, system? That, that means that, um, uh, for instance, Let's just say you guys are in Detroit and mm-hmm. you walk into your your local uh, bar or, or package store and, and ask for you know Jack Daniels and the person uh, behind the counter says, well, you know, I tried to order some, I wanted to order five cases, but they told me that I could only order five bottles because wow. that's all yeah. they had to sell me. Fair, okay. <laughs> and so yeah, we were we were that way until 1980. Believe it or not, only huh. making old number seven. Wow. Um, so you know all these expressions that we have now the the single barrel collection that we have, which is magnificent, um, you know, or the honey flavored whiskey, um, which people love as well. You know, we, we, we want to have a product, um, for someone to be able to enjoy our, our whiskey in their own way. Um, and you know, we just, of course, always ask them to enjoy that responsibly. Um, but obviously, um, we want something for the tried and true classic whiskey drinker. And then we also want somebody to be able to be introduced to our brand um, with something um, that, you know, basically with Tennessee honey, it's, it's almost like a cocktail in a bottle. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, all right. So we have, because we, we needed to taste while we were talking with you. <laughs> um, I have, I picked up last year, I picked up one of the single barrel barrel proofs. Uh, and it was just at my yeah. local grocery store at the the Kroger, the Michigan Kroger chain here and it's like it's 65.85 percent it's a 131.7 proof uh this this single barrel it's yummy Um, yeah (laughs) and so and i didn't have any just uh, old number seven so i picked up a fifth old number seven on the way into the studio uh and i I blind poured them for matt i knew i know what was in each cup but uh i blind poured them for matt see i'm sipping on both of them yeah uh, on chris and, and and jamie um, one of them has is, is a little bit lighter in color. Okay. Uh, the other one a little yeah. bit darker. Um, but they both just ha- they have that wonderful bite, that spicy bite at yeah. the end of it. Um, but I'm going to because I'd already tasted these two, Chris. Um, I'm going to say Jamie as well. Okay. What do uh, you think? Which one's which? I think the lighter one is the uh, single barrel, and okay. then the darker one is the number seven. That's what I'm going to go I, with. I wish I had my sound effects set up to say, is that a fat, drunk, and stupid no to go through life, son. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. No, actually, it's vice versa. Yeah, so the, the darker one was the single barrel with the, the higher proof. Really? So, yeah, but Chris, uh, when, we're, when we're trying this, when we're trying the old number seven compared to the single barrel, what, what, should, what should we be noticing different between the two? Well, I think, um, yeah, to kind of 
to build on what you're, you're tasting there, I think number one, it's such a great exercise that you're sitting there with old number seven mm-hmm. and slowly sipping, thinking about what you're tasting, thinking about the appearance, the color of the whiskey. <laughs> I meet so many people um, that say that, you know, if I lead a tasting and we sip on old number seven nice and slow, mm-hmm. the amount of flavor, the complexity that's in that glass, they're really surprised because, you know, maybe they've only ever mixed it, right? They've only right. ever done a or had a Jack and Coke yep, you know, or right. something like that, which is, <laughs> hey, great cocktail. Um However, you know, there's a lot of great flavor in that glass itself. And really, kind of the first clue is the difference between these two samples is the color. Um, and so if you think about it, with a barrel-proof expression of our single barrel, mm-hmm. you know, what that means is we're not adding any water on the back end. So that whiskey goes in clear at 125 proof. And depending on evaporation, it's going to go up to, would you say, 131 Point seven, I think you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, because it's funny because I'll see these on the shelves, and and they the 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 proofs vary from bottle to bottle. Yeah. It's it's interesting. They do. Yeah. Yes, but yes, this is one thirty one point seven. Yes, yes. And so that that gives you immediately the color, lets you know there's less water because we haven't reduced it down to ninety or eighty or ninety four for regular single barrel. Mm. So that right away tells you that, you know, you're going to have more of that unique barrel flavor character in there just because, you know, we haven't added any water to it. So whatever it comes out of the barrel at for our single barrel barrel proof is what you're going to get in that bottle. And so we kind of we refer to that as distiller's privilege here in Lynchburg. So Mm. myself and Jeff, you know, we can go to a barrel house, you know, anytime we we want to and take our drill and sample a barrel and see what we think about it. Um, not many other people get to do that. No. Um, however, with our single barrel barrel proof, it's the closest thing you can get to coming to a barrel house and just walking down that rick, walking down the row, mm. sampling a few different barrels. Is because, like you said, each bottle, when they come from different barrels, they're going to be completely different alcohol content and, and different flavors as well. Now, wow. they're all going to be Jack Daniels at their core, obviously. Sure. However, you'll have some barrels that are smokier, spicier, sweeter, you know. And so that that's the fun of it because Mother Nature and that barrel and where that barrel has been sitting in a barrel house for, you know, single barrel five to seven years typically, you know, she's going to put that, that fingerprint on the flavor that we can't control. Mm-hmm. And that's where the science kind of turns into art so as much as we know as much as we've done in our 153 years almost here making whiskey um we're really good we're really consistent but at the end of the day mother nature's going to take over and that's the fun part with single barrel whiskeys yeah so this one uh the label is you know it's got jeff's autograph on it and uh, it's telling me it came out of rick uh number l19 so do you know right where that is (laughs) Yeah, I mean, depending on the house that it came out of, yes. Uh, I could take you right to L19. And that great? L19 or L22? L19, yep. L19, L19. yep, L19. Yeah. Remember so, that? Do you remember that one, Chris? It, it, it's really confusing. <laughs> His name um, was we Steve. Have, <laughs> we have the L's and we have the R's. Okay. So the L's mean the left side of the barrel house and the R's mean the right oh, side hey, of the barrel right, house. Oh, right, right, right. Easy enough. Yep, and, yep, and then 22 would be the 22nd Rick. Um, which a rick is just a, what we call a row of, mm. of a barrel house. Okay. So you just start at one, walk all the way down to 22, and then that's where that barrel came from. All right, so just a little bit more if you got a little bit of time. 
Sure. All right. So um, the, the the some of the specials you have, um, I wanted to talk about two of them. One would be the old twenty seven, uh, but first uh, the Sinatra Select. Mm. So what is different about the the Sinatra Select? Uh, you know, what is it? it? It's the Jack Daniels Sinatra Select because the boy's been dead for a while. Uh, love him, yeah. but uh, so what is this? How did it come to be? And uh, what's what's different about the Sinatra Select? Sure. Um, we introduced this product a few years ago, just prior to when um, Frank, had he still been living, would have been 100. Okay. Oh, wow. um, and so we wanted to commemorate kind of his legacy along with Jack's legacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jack Daniels and music goes back, honestly, even before Frank Sinatra, believe it or not. Jack Daniel himself, he actually had his own bands here in Lynchburg. Really? That oh. he would hire to come and play in town. Yeah, because... You know, back in the in the early days in Lynchburg, he owned a couple of saloons in town. So was, he would hire bands to come and play to bring people into town to <laughs> then frequent his saloons. Um, and love so that. music and Jack Daniels really has been hand in hand ever since. And then, of course, you know, as Frank Sinatra, he was introduced to our brand in the late 40s, maybe early 50s. Mm-hmm. Legend has it by Jackie Gleason. Ah. And again, at, at this point in our time period, we were pretty much an unknown brand, especially up in, say, New York City, right? Right. Um, very, very small whiskey from down in Tennessee. But as soon as Frank tries it, he falls in love with, in love with it. And so he starts you know, regularly seeking it out. Yep. Um, he started going out on stage, holding up a glass and calling it Nectar of the Gods. <laughs> and of course... <laughs> You know, those years of allocation that I was telling you about, yeah, yeah. Uh, we owe a lot of that to Frank Sinatra. Nice. Um, our sales just exploded, and we could not keep up. Wow. And, um, you know, we never paid him. We've, we've never paid, you know, for any celebrity endorsement. Um, even in our in our advertising and our commercials, um, you know, you don't see, you know, celebrities. You see real distillery workers here right. in Lynchburg yeah, uh, I, that make our product. I, I love that. I um, do. I love the, the campaign you guys got going right now. With just uh, yeah. everybody down there, it's it's mm-hmm. I, I, it's a fantastic campaign. Very very family oriented. Yeah, really I enjoy like it. that aspect. Right. Uh, and that's you know, and that's the way Lynchburg is. Like I say, it's a town of, of six hundred people. You know, we do one thing really well, and, and that's make whiskey. <laughs> and and you know, a lot of the there's some there's some families here that we can trace back generationally, you know, to Jack Daniel's time mm-hmm. and, and making whiskey. So you know, we are proud of of making great Tennessee whiskey. Um, you know, um, myself and, and my family has been involved, but there's there's lots of other families as well. And obviously, it takes a great team of distillers down here um, to make our product. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the story with the Sinatra. Yeah, what? Yeah, what specifically um, in the in the process is there something very is there something unique in the process for the Sinatra Select? It is. Yeah, so there's a special barrel that we use. Um, the, the the marketing team came to us to the, for this idea of honoring Frank. Um, and so they, they wanted classic Jack Daniels, old number seven, because that's what Frank drank. But they wanted a little twist. They wanted something a little bolder, you know, something with a little, you know, a little, a little bite, but mm-hmm. still smooth. And because they felt like, you know, that's what, you know, Frank kind of embodied, right? Mm-hmm. And Very. so we had been experimenting with barrels. And, you know, basically to follow the guide of Tennessee whiskey, the only thing that, that adds flavor is just grain and, water and barrel really hmm. and so to drive new flavors into our whiskey and keep it a, a straight tennessee whiskey 
<laughs> what we did was we started to play with the inside of that barrel before we put the whiskey in. And so once the barrel is made, we, we toast the inside, basically like toasting them, hmm. just mm. the sugars. Okay. And then we char it. And so a char is a flame that will actually create a, a char layer, which will allow that whiskey to penetrate better into those rich toasted flavors of the barrel. That's where you get color and flavor of the whiskey. So for the Sinatra barrels, we took that barrel that had been toasted and charred, and we started to cut down into the stave and to cut these grooves, hmm. basically creating a rifle effect. So this groove that would go all the way down the interior of that barrel. And if you think about what happens there, then when the whiskey goes in with that with that deep groove cut all the way into the inside of the barrel, it will absorb into the layers of the wood much more quickly than it wow. would without that cut there. Wow. And so the result is you extract more of that oak flavor from the barrel. Creates right? more surface and so area and so more flavor. Exactly. Wow. Right. You got it. Yeah. That's the idea behind it. And so we, when we were approached around creating this, you know, little spin on old number seven for Frank Sinatra and for his whiskey, basically, we said, well, we've been playing with these groove barrels. What do you think? And they tasted it and they loved it. And so it, it just kind of went from there. I love it. Wow. So that, yeah, and as, as you were doing that, I started dancing over here <laughs> and singing Groove is in the Heart. Um, and Craig, because Matt and I are both also DJs too. So, uh, sorry. That's, we were, if you heard us giggling a little bit behind that, that's what that was. <laughs> uh, but so what about, uh, the, the number 27, the double barreled Tennessee whiskey that, uh, extra matured? What, what is, what is that guy? That's a special one, right? Yeah. Is that new? That, it is. It is. It's fairly new. It's been in some different markets, um, and it is a limited uh, product that we do right now because, it, and you said it in the name, it is double-barreled. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only double-barreled whiskey that we currently do. So you dump um, from one barrel to so another? You got it, what? yes. So we know that, that Tennessee whiskey, you know, like I've said earlier, it's got to spend at least four years for us in that new oak barrel. Mm-hmm. That's your policy. And for the yes. for the gold, the twenty seven gold, we take it out of that oak barrel and then we put it into a second barrel, which is a maple barrel um, that we also make. And so that maple wood really creates kind of a nice, soft, sweet, creamy mouth feel, kind of a brown sugar, butterscotchy huh. sweetness. Um, you know, it, it really brings a nice depth of those kind of sweet brown notes mm. that you get from the wood of that barrel. Um, however, the one thing about these maple barrels, they're beautiful barrels, the gorgeous maple wood, and they make a beautiful whiskey, uh, when you taste that whiskey, but they leak really, really bad. Mm. Um, they, they leak and we lose a lot. So that's why I say that that product is still a little bit limited. Um, but have no fear. We're, We're making more. Right. So, uh, you should send one up here so we can really try it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or we'll come so, down there and try it. Out. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. All right, two more, two more real quick questions for you. Uh, uh, as in the Facebook group, a couple of people asked. Garrett asked uh, if the bottle and bond is going to become a U.S. release. Is is that? A, a does that make question. sense to you? <laughs> and um, you might not know. This might be a marketing thing that you may or may not know, but. Right, right. Yeah, you know, that, you know, it does kind of get back to being the distiller. You know, once it's in the bottle, you know, it's a, it's a little bit out of my hands. Fair play. All um, right. So here's another one then. 
Uh, yeah. When when are they coming out with a barrel proof rye? Will you will you do a barrel proof on the rye? Ah, uh, that's a that's a very good question. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that's something that um, you know I, I get to taste our rye whiskey at barrel strength as well. Um, you know, it, it's something that you know we have looked at. Um, there's no immediate plans on the launch on that. I think um, you know when we as we look at any innovation. Um, I think being from Jack Daniels, um, there's an expectation for what, you know, we put out there. And I think, um, you know, that's a good thing. Consumers kind of demand that, you know, from Jack Daniels, they, they want to know, they want to know, you know, the facts about it, you know, how it's made and, and, and what it is. And then, you know, we kind of feel that responsibility to, if we're going to put out a new whiskey, we, you know, we've got to make sure that it's right for Jack Daniels as well. So, um, you know, no immediate plans for a barrel strength rye whiskey right now. Right. Um, but, you know, certainly in the future, you, you could see something like that. And uh, last one, Eric Church is on tour right now, and you guys uh, are doing a special uh, medal for, for a barrel proof uh, for him. Uh, was Eric involved uh, in picking these barrels, or uh, are you guys what, – what's going on with the, the promotion with uh, Eric and, and his signature barrel proof? Sure, sure, certainly. Um, now, Eric, his single barrels um, are 94 proof. They're our standard single barrel uh, whiskey, which which is offered at a consistent 94 proof. Um, that's the way Eric prefers his whiskey. Um, he's been to the distillery a couple times. In fact, he and his wife were just down um, a few weeks ago and, and picking some barrels. And uh, it's always fun to, to have them down in Lynchburg and, sure. and are great people. Um, and so he, you know, he knows exactly the type of whiskey that he's looking for. And, and Jeff and myself know kind of the flavor that Eric likes as well. Nice. He's, he's, you know, had multiple barrels in the past. I don't know how many that, that he's necessarily on now for his own, you know, personal barrel. However, um, uh, we do have the kind of the promotion that benefits, um, Eric and Catherine Church's, uh, their charity. Yeah. Yes. Um, which, which is, I think probably, the product that you were referring to? Yes. Yeah, the Chief Chief Cares Fund. Yeah. And so that is that is our Jack Daniels single barrel select. So that's our 94 proof. Um, and it does come with the uh, the unique medallion, mm-hmm. um, which hangs around the neck of the bottle. And, and the little gift carton is also um, logoed as well. Um, and so those are going into um, the cities where his concert tour um, is going. You can find that information, I think, in the next probably week or so at ericchurch.com. Yep, wonderful. Um, you, can go, you can get online there and see because I think we, we've asked – um, to try to get the product into retailers near the concert venue itself. Right, right. Um, but you should be able to look up that information uh, through ericchurch.com. Wonderful. Perfect. Thank you for that. Chris, man, mm-hmm. thank you. We held you a little long, but uh, we really – I got like 10 more questions. We could, we could, <laughs> ha- we could hang out all night because um, especially now that we're like two, two three shots in. So, uh, but, You're two, three shots in. Oh, yeah, because I'm sitting I'm over here bottles. enjoying these. Man. you got the bottles in front of you. <laughs> but, Chris, thank you so much for uh, uh, taking the time and educating us a, a little bit. Uh, we'd love to talk to you again. Yes. Um, because I'm sure, I'm sure we've merely just with 140 just, years behind Jack Daniels, we just scratch the surface. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I love to talk about how we make our whiskey, and mm-hmm. I think that's you know such an important thing. And 
you know, like we just said earlier, with with the current uh, resurgence of American whiskeys, uh, and so many different brands out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's the questions of, well, how is it made and where is it made and mm-hmm. who is making it? Those are all just so important to what we do here in Lynchburg um, with every drop of Jack Daniels coming out of, the, out of this one location, this one distillery to supply the whole world. Right. Um, so, yeah, in, anytime you guys would like to talk whiskey, uh, you know where to find me. Right on. Absolute pleasure, Chris. Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Be well. Cheers. 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 Bye. <laughs> there it is. Voodoo. Matthew. James. That was... Uh, Jamie. That was uh, Chris's... Kind of, he's so well-rounded. Yeah. He really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he knows his stuff. I mean, he's, he's like buried deep in it because his grandfather was there since... His grandfather was a master distiller since 1966. Right. That's like when Brian was in his 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Donovan's sitting here just working. Yep. <laughs> what do we do? Use him as a punch. There you go. So, but, but uh, yeah, so it just, just uh, immersed in it for, for years and years. But so. I'll tell you, the, the whole nearest green story that, you know, just to learn the roots of Jack Daniels itself, all it goes all the way back to you can, you have to go to church. That is, that is it. That is. You have to stop distilling, but you, you, you have to go to church. Take me to church. So what does he do? He said, okay, and then uh, ended up working for Jack Daniels. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. It's so much fun. So uh, there you go. Man Cave Happy Hour. Yeah. Jack Daniels style. Yeah. Well, uh, pay attention. Uh, we'll have another uh, show coming up here in a couple of weeks. That's it, Matt. Cheers. Cheers.